it's not an easy exam. Last I checked, the pass rate is 25%. So you really need to use. Wow. Hey guys, welcome back to the Unpacked Podcast where we chat about all things property and finance related. If you're buying property, you'll probably have to deal with a conveyancer, also known as a property attorney. Today I chat to Pimi from one of the top law firms in the country. She shares how to qualify to become a property attorney and what exactly do property attorneys do on a daily basis. Hi, my name is Pimi. Pimi is an admitted attorney, conveyancer in Notary Public, employed at VDT Attorneys in Pretoria, a firm in Pretoria, South Africa. Pimi is also, besides professionally, she's also a mother, a sister, or a friend. What is a conveyancer and what do I have to study to become one? And also, how long does it take to qualify? A conveyancer is basically an admitted attorney. So you have to become an attorney first to become a conveyancer. So a conveyancer would be an an admitted attorney who has written a specialized conveyancing exam and has passed it and has gone to the court to apply for admission as a conveyancer at the High Court of South Africa. Okay, what do you need to study for you to become a conveyancer? You need to study law so without being too technical saying it's a ba law degree or become i'm just going to say a law degree we'll get maybe we'll discuss that maybe on another on another day and then after completing your four years of your law degree this is now an llb you enter into a contract of articles of clerkship. So this is like, you may say, loosely speaking, an internship for two years where you are supervised. We call them principals, supervised by a principal who now trains you. And at this point in time, you're called a candidate attorney. You, this is a point where you aspire to become an attorney. So he trains you professionally, and then you also enroll for a practical legal practical legal training course, which is six months, can be part-time or full-time. And then in addition to that, you have to complete uh, admission exams to become an attorney. There are four papers. It's court procedure, wills and estates, attorney practice, and bookkeeping. After that, after you've passed your competency-based exams, you apply to the High Court of South Africa and you become an admitted attorney. Now that you're an admitted attorney, you can write the specialized conveyancing exam. This exam is divided into two papers as well, the theory paper and the practical paper. It's not an easy exam. Last I checked, the pass rate is 25%. So you really really fortunate if you pass it at at your first attempt. Yeah, and uh, I'm not I'm not bragging, but I also passed it on my first attempt. Guys, congrats! That's amazing. Thank you. Okay, and then after you've passed that exam, you apply at the same high court to become a conveyancer. On the day of your admission, you can start uh, registering deeds at the deeds office. We'll talk about that at a later stage in our in our conversation. Wow, that's so amazing. That is actually a very, very long process. I didn't think it would be that long, but wow. Okay, okay, I'm learning a lot. So speaking about conveyances, one of the most common questions people want to know is how much does a conveyancer cost? So what exactly are conveyancing fees? How are they determined? And what do people have to know about these kind of fees when saving up to buy a house? There are guidelines to 
to these fees. So they're published regularly by the council. So it's just, it's merely a guideline. It's not the, it's not a set minimum fee or a set maximum fee. It solely um, lies on the discretion of the conveyancer. He's the one who builds his hours. He sees how much time he puts it into this. Also the value of the property plays a role. So on the guidelines, they'll say, okay, for a property worth between this amount and a minimum amount and a maximum amount, it should cost about, it's a guideline. But then the conveyancer will get it and say, okay, I see that the value of the property is this much, but the work needed for this specific transaction is this much and I will cost, and I will charge my client to this amount. And then the costs involved would be you registering a bond. Let's say you want to buy a house, you don't have the cash for it, you go to a bank and ask for uh, for approval of a uh, approval of a bond so in that in this instance there will be a transfer which is where you change ownership from the seller to that of the purchaser so that's transition number one change of ownership and then the other would be your bond so in this case there will be transfer costs for them to change from the seller's name to the purchaser's name and then to register the bond that is to protect the rights of the bank and note this um, to note that the bank is the legal holder of this bond, so that we call bond costs. So there will be transfer costs and bond costs. Transfer costs are usually paid by the purchaser. Bond costs are paid uh, usually by the person who goes to the bank and says, "I need a, I need finance." So what's the difference between a conveyancer and a solicitor? In South Africa, we don't use the term solicitor. We use advocate and attorney. So in um, other countries, they use solicitor and barrister. Barrister normally defends people in court. That's what our advocates do in South Africa. They normally defend people in court. And then solicitors, they perform legal work outside of court. And attorneys, that's what our attorneys do in South Africa. So an attorney, like I explained, a conveyancer, like I explained before, is an attorney who has written the specialized exam. So I also wanted to ask you, um, when it comes to choosing a conveyancer, what are you supposed to look for? And as somebody as, let's say I'm buying a house and I find the perfect house and do I pick my own conveyancer or does the estate agent or the seller pick the conveyancer? How does that work? In South Africa, according to our legis- according to our law, common law specifically, the seller chooses or decides who the conveyancer is. That's usually the norm. But it, there's nothing preventing the parties from agreeing on a different um, on a different conveyancer. So it's usually it's it's like that because the seller is the one who holds the asset. So he must choose or decide on a conveyancer which he trusts with his asset. Trust that this process will go well and he will be able to um, get proceeds from this from the transaction. And do you have any advice for first time home buyers? What Important question, should they ask their conveyancer? The process of buying property starts before getting to uh, speaking to a conveyancer. So I'm not going to speak about the in-between. So once, you've, once you speak to a conveyancer, you've already signed your offer to purchase in most cases. So you had to ask about what the amount is for the, what the purchase price is, where your property is situated, levies, if it's a sectional scheme and other costs within your community or the neighborhood that you chose 
um, to buy a house in. But what you have to ask now is occupational rent. The occupational rent would be you are not the owner of the house yet, but you would like to move in before registration takes place. So you want to know is occupational rent payable and to whom is it payable? Is it payable to the sellers or to the conveyances trust account? You want to know if a deposit is payable and by when is it payable? Because you don't want to be, you don't want to breach your contract because it might be in your offer to purchase and it hasn't been explained to you properly that you need to pay your deposit and by when you need to pay your deposit. You need to inquire about your transfer costs, which is now the transferring attorneys where you are transferring ownership from the seller's name to the purchaser's name and your, your bond cost that's if you required um, finance from the bank or a financial institution and there are also what we call suspensive conditions in the in the offer to purchase so there is some type I would give an example of one where it says okay this is the purchase price let's say a million you only have a deposit of let's say 10,000 rand and then the rest you must you must get from the bank. You must get bank approval for the for the balance of the purchase price, and they give you a date that you must you must have gotten bank approval within a certain date. So you must know of these things. Know that by when should you have gotten bank approval or have met your suspensive conditions in the contract? Because the only the contract will only come into being. We say it becomes perfecta. It's now perfected when all the conditions, all the suspensive conditions in this case have been met. So the other one would be transfer duty. You'll have, depending on the purchase price, transfer duty is payable, sometimes not. So these are the costs you must look out for. So in addition to the purchase price, you would have to pay transfer duty to, to the revenue services in our country. So can you tell us more about like the day-to-day -day duties of a convenience house? So when you get to the office, what do you guys do? On a daily basis, what you do, you need to sign off documents to send them off to the deeds office. So the deeds office is the office, the, the deeds registry. This is the office in our country which is responsible for the registration, management and maintenance of property, the property registry in South Africa. So this is where we do our transfers, you register bonds, we, when you want to subdivide your property, when you want to consolidate two properties, that's where we all of this happens. And this is the effective way of protecting property rights, getting them registered at the deeds registry. So what we do, we just sign off uh, documents and deeds to send them off to the deeds office. That's the early morning. And then during the day, it's meeting up with clients to send their bond documents, their transfer documents, consulting with clients, uh, Who've got who are anticipating registration of property, be it either transfer or mortgage, mortgage bond registrations. Yes, and then the busy hours is actually from the morning when we open until 11 o'clock. So the D's office closes at, um, not closes, the most of the important stuff end at half past 11 or 12. So after that, you can just see clients and go for marketing, um, which is you can go for golf, meet up potential clients over coffee, over drinks. Uh, yeah. So is it possible to actually complete um, a purchase of a house without a convenience? So if I decide, okay, I don't want to pay 50000 and I'll go to the deed office, is that possible? <laughs> 
No, it is not possible. So you need a, because, okay, now I'm going to get technical now. At the deed's office, conveyances draft the title deed. You're going to buy a property. They draft the title deed. A conveyancer can, is the only person in this country who can draft a, a title deed. Also, the deeds registry, a conveyancer is the only person who can sign it off, who can register it in front of the assistant registrar at the deeds office. So you cannot do that. Ah, okay. That's interesting. I didn't know. And also, one more question about the offer to purchase. So if, for example, I find this perfect house and I decide, okay, I want to buy it, and I sign an offer to purchase, and then two weeks later, I'm like, mm -mm, I've changed my mind. So what happens? Is it a problem? It all depends on the terms and conditions. Was there a suspensive clause or was it... Was it legally binding at that stage? Because if there was a suspensive condition, you had to go to the bank and wait for the approval. But if you haven't gone to the bank, you're also in breach because the, the clause would say you must make means to get um, to obtain bank approval. Another discussion sometime in the future, a notary public is someone who registers international contracts. This, and this registration happens at the deeds office as well. Okay? So... They, they not only um, register international contracts, they all register, register rights in relating to property. So conveyances and notary publics actually work together. So what is the difference between a conveyancer and a notary uh, public? What is the main difference? A conveyancer deals with property, registration of property and drafting property documents né? and then a notary public in addition to dealing with certain rights that um, affect property also registered registers antenatural contracts so this would be yes for an example we've got two properties that um, that are next to each other and then this one would like to to have access through the other property to the main roads so you'd have to register a servitude of right of way to pass through the others. And then also to become a notary public, do you have to take a special test or do you automatically become one after you become a conveniencer? No, you have, yes, you become an attorney and then you write a specialized exam for not for notary. Okay, so if somebody wants to reach out to you or your company, how do they find you? Okay, our, I work for VDT Attorneys. It's in Pretoria, South Africa. It's vdt.co.za. And then 012-452-1300. Love this episode? Make sure to visit our website www.unpack.co.za to join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover our fantastic bonus content. If you found value in the show, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes. Or if you simply told a friend about us, that would be helpful too. Thank you for listening.